following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening. We thank You for this time together. I do pray that You would be with us as we look to Your Word and as we look to what it means to worship. I pray that You would bless us and watch over us and help us to leave here with a better understanding of how we can be true worshipers of You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2006, Igniter Media put out a video called Me Church. It's a satirical video describing how Culturally, we tend to think about church as individuals and our desires and our wants. And it points out things like starting when we want to or having others leave when your kids are disruptive. Even going as far as to say getting a full financial breakdown of everyone's giving. It keeps going by, by having the church provide a car wash and an oil change for you and getting tickets to the Super Bowl and even a pony. And the video ends with this tagline, Me Church where it's all about you. And as our culture has turned more individualistic over the years, we see this creep its way into the church and affect the way that we view a lot of things. Our church attendance is affected by things like our own schedules, worship styles, preferences, what color the carpet is. Instead of it being about the corporate body of Christ coming together to worship God, it has become about me and my worship. And while we're individuals, worship is never meant to be about us. Instead of it actually being about what it is meant to be, which is worshiping the creator of the universe. And if it's about the creator of the universe, it can't be about who? It can't be about us. It's not supposed to be about us. It never was supposed to be about us. But while we are individuals, worship is about God. And that's what we're going to spend time unpacking this evening. And what we're going to do for the rest of the semester, I've been trying to do this with each of our series that we're doing. I'm going to try and ask the same questions all semester to try and keep it consistent, especially if you're taking notes. So we're going to ask these two questions every Wednesday night. How has the fall deformed this particular topic and how does Jesus reform it in our hearts? So tonight we're going to look at how has the fall deformed worship in our lives. And kind of our main point that we're going to go off is true worship is about God and bringing Him glory. True worship is about God and bringing Him glory. So what we're going to do is we're going to read Genesis 4, 1 to 12, and we're going to start with the story of Cain and Abel and see how the fall has affected worship. Luke's going to come up and read that for us. Genesis 4, starting verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? 
He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a warrior on the earth. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so our Westminster Catechism, question number one, says, What is the chief end of man? Do you all know the answer to that? We are to and enjoy Him forever. That is our mandate on this earth. We are created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, which means that you and I were created to worship. We all worship something, whether we think we do or whether we think we don't. We all worship something, and we were created to worship. This is a good thing. This is a good, wonderful thing that God has created for us to bring Him glory, the glory that He is due. The problem is, because of the fall, worship has become twisted. The concept of worship has been changed and altered and morphed. It's developed this problem, and as sin came into the world, it began to permeate every part of our lives, even the best parts, like worship. And in our example this evening, with Cain and Abel, we see this playing out. The fall has just happened recently, and here are Cain and Abel, and we don't have some sort of institution of what worship should be like or what a sacrificial system should look like. But we can see from Cain and Abel's story that some sort of general understanding has been made with Adam and his family about what it means to glorify God and what it means to worship Him and what it means to make sacrifices for Him. Okay, We see that Abel, in verse 4, he brought the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And how does God respond to this? He smiles upon this sacrifice and he blesses him. Cain brings a sacrifice of the fruit of the ground. And how does God respond to Cain's sacrifice? God does not find favor with Cain, doesn't find favor with his sacrifice. The most notable difference between the two sacrifices was one involved blood and the other did not. And we don't know 100% as to why God did not find favor with Cain's sacrifice, but we do know this. It had something to do with his heart. And we see that in the verses here. We know that God rightly looks into our hearts and knows the deepest, darkest parts of our heart. In fact, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So as God is looking at Cain's sacrifice, he is looking deep into his heart, and he knows that this sacrifice did not come from a place of worship. It came from a place of selfishness, self-righteousness, whereas Abel's sacrifice was good and right and holy before the Lord. God even offers Cain a remedy to the problem. I don't know if you noticed that. Look at verse 7. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So he's actually giving Cain Another chance to do right by God. And how does Cain respond? He is angry. He is bitter. And what does he go do? He kills his brother in his own anger, in his own selfishness, in his own bitterness. In Jude 1.11, it says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain. Jude's description of the way of Cain refers to lawless living, thinking of ourselves, being selfish, and this is the way that our worship is deformed by the fall. So you and I, again, we were created to worship God. 
But because of the sin that exists in our hearts, this is what our worship can look like. I'm not saying that this is what all of our worship does look like, but this is what it can look like. We all have this ability to take something good and beautiful and make an absolute mess of it. Cain's response to all this, again, he became angry. In some way, shape, or form, he wasn't getting what he wanted out of his worship experience, so he murdered. And this is just like us. Okay, When we get bent out of shape, when we leave a church service, and we think, oh, I didn't get what I wanted out of that worship service, or I didn't sing the songs that I wanted to sing, or it didn't end at the time that I wanted it to. We think about it individualistically. And please know that, yes, we are individuals. God creates us uniquely. But worship is never to be about us as individuals. It's about us corporately coming together to worship the creator of the universe. So I want you to think about your own participation in worship. What does that look like for you? What is it about? Who is it about? Do you sing only when you like the songs? Do you listen only when it's interesting to you? Who is your worship about? If it's not about God and what he receives, then I'm going to be bold enough to tell you that it's not true worship and that you're wasting your time. Is that challenging? So many times we leave our worship services thinking, man, I didn't like that. I didn't enjoy that. When it's not about what we enjoy, it's about what God deserves. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have preferences. There are certain songs that I like to sing, and I love it when we sing them. And there are certain songs that I'm just not good at singing because I can't hit certain notes, and that's okay. But what it does mean, if if that's what it is about all the time for us, then we're missing the point of worship. That is how sin has deformed our view of worship. So how does Jesus reform worship in our hearts? We're going to read John 4, 19-26. Nathan's going to come up and read that for us. This is the account of Jesus speaking at the well with the Samaritan woman, and he tells us something about worship here. So I want you all to pay attention. John 4, 19-26, page numbers are on the board for you. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and, and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Awesome. So there's a clear distinction that Jesus is making here. And this distinction is between him being a Jew and her being a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. Jews and Samaritans hated each other in many contexts. The Jews held the claim to be God's people, and rightfully so, because they were the people that God worked through in the Old Testament, right? However, the kingdom of God was never to be monopolized by the Jews. The whole purpose of the gospel was to go out to the nations, to reach all peoples. And that is what... God is doing through what the disciples are about to go do when they go out and share the good news. God is drawing a people to himself, and he's drawing a people to himself to do what? To worship him. He's bringing them back into right relationships so that they can do the thing that they were made to do. And she notices this distinction and tells him, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem 
is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus clarifies in verse 22. He's trying to correct her line of thinking here. He says that, yes, salvation was of the Jews because they were God's people, but that's not what this whole thing is about. He shows us here that the kingdom of God is going to the nations when he describes true worshipers in verse 23. He describes true worship as being two things, being of spirit and being of truth. So we are to worship in spirit and in truth. If it's by the spirit, then it has to be about God who is spirit. If it's in truth, then it has to be about the one who is truth. That's a very important distinction for us. Because if we worship in self and in false truth, then our worship will be tainted. We often think in those individualistic lines when we come to a worship service or when we come to some sort of act of worship. If it's not in spirit and in truth, then again, we're missing the point. Sinful human beings have lies and deception in their hearts. And that is why we have to come to worship with a right perspective. And that's what Jesus is doing here, showing this woman what a right perspective on worship is. So I want to close our time by looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. Very briefly, a little bit more about true worship. For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so the Apostle Paul is teaching us that worship is about God and his glory and not about us. He is the cornerstone of our faith. Are you the cornerstone of faith? No. Therefore, we can't be the center of our worship. Notice that he says that he is building together. In verse 22, this is talking about the corporate nature of what we were created to do, called to come together. We were created to be together, to worship God together. Now, there is a sense in which people worship in their own way. There are things that we do that are worshipful, like you going and working hard at your job or doing well in school. That is in itself an act of worship because you're using your talents, your time and your treasures to glorify God. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I encourage you. To do that. But people will justify their own sense of self-righteousness in the way that they want to see worship. And they'll do it in whatever way they see fit. There's an often used example where people claim that they're worshiping God on the golf course on Sunday mornings. Or they go worship God at the beach instead of going to church. Or when they're working in their garden instead of going and being corporately with other people. Like, that's their worship. And that, I'm going to be very pointed here, that's not true worship. It can be worshipful, but it's not true worship. We are called to glorify God in all that we do. Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians 10.31. However, people that do these types of things, they are driven by the selfish desire to do what they want, the way that they see it, what they want to get out of it, And again, that is about who? That's about sinful human beings. That's what I want you to see tonight. That If our worship is about us, it's about sinful human beings. And that's false worship. That's idolatry. And we need to be so mindful of that. Writer Kevin DeYoung says this, 
There is nothing more important in life than worship. We all worship something or someone. The only question is whether we will worship the right one in the right way. Your sin wants to make worship about you. Your sin wants to make worship about being what you want to do, where you want to do it, how you want to do it. It's bringing in your own selfish desires into something that should be good and holy. And we need to be aware of those things. Just like we need to be aware of all of our sin, we need to be aware of how sin affects our worship. Okay? It was never meant to be about us. It's about Jesus, what he's done, and we respond in thankfulness to that by attributing him worship. And we do this specifically on Sundays because this is a day that God has created for us to do this together. Like he's given us a gift of the Sabbath. He's given us a gift of Sundays where we can come together as believers and pray to a God that we believe in and we worship him because he is so good and so wonderful. Now, within the, the patterns of worship, there is some freedom, right? There are certain things that we do that other churches don't do, and that's okay. There are certain types of worship music. There are certain types of liturgy. There are certain types of prayers. And there is some freedom to do things a little bit differently. However, again, we have to think about who those things are being ascribed to. Are they about us and what we want? Or are they about a true, holy God? Preferences are real, but they should not dictate how we view worship. So as we think about this tonight, I want you to reflect in your own hearts about how you worship. Do you do so in spirit and in truth? Do you see some selfish tendencies in your heart when you approach worship? We all need to be thinking about this. The fall deforms our view of who Jesus is. And Satan wants to take our eyes off of Christ and place it on ourselves. And he uses stuff like this to frustrate us. He uses stuff like this to draw people away from the church. Satan wants to push us away from corporate worship and say, well, then you just need to go and do something else. When, in fact, Jesus is actually calling us to lean into that and say, you know what? Yeah, I didn't like the song that we sang today, and that's okay because it's not about me. It's about my Savior. True worship is about God and bringing Him glory, and I encourage you to think about the ways that you approach worship because sin really does affect the way that we view What we just did a minute ago, singing praises to God. So let me pray for us. We'll head to small groups in just a minute, but we're going to sing one more song. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. I ask that you would please help us to think about our worship and how we can make it more and more about you and less about ourselves. I pray for these students. I pray for these leaders. I pray for myself. You would challenge us tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.